today, though. Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Oh, we are going to start a series titled Awake My Soul. So to awaken something means to stir it back to life or stir it to consciousness. And that's what the word does for us. Certainly this, the Psalms awaken us to the beauty, the magnificent, the provisional God that we serve. The fact that he, he is so beautiful and glorious. And so I'm going to spend the next nine weeks or so talking about how God, through his word, specifically the Psalms, awakens us to who he is. And I'm going to start that. We're just we're obviously not covering all the Psalms. There's too many of them um, for nine weeks. <laughs> uh, there'll be instances where I cover the whole Psalm. There'll be instances where I just cover maybe two or three verses out of a Psalm. But they're all intended to cause us to wake up to the fact that God loves us. Amen. And so today I'm going to talk out of Psalms 19. And I'm going to preach or teach or whatever um, through the entire text because the entire text is, I think it's a, it's a beautiful introduction to where we're at, why we can have peace, why we can be awakened. And so here we are in Psalms 19. I'm not going to start teaching quite yet. I'm just going to tell you that it's necessary that we understand that God reveals himself to us. And that's the title of this lesson. If you want to write it down, God reveals himself. And he's revealing himself to us through the through King David, who had been a shepherd. And King David had always been, as a shepherd, faithful to observe and watch and ensure that the sheep were taken care of and that nothing bad happened to them. He defended them against the bear and against the lion and, and against the wolf, just as any good shepherd would. But he probably wasn't what you would consider an incredibly educated man. He was a shepherd. So he's found God through observation, the same way he watched over the sheep, by looking. And how did he find God? He found God by looking to the skies and the heavens and the creation through an understanding of the word as he understood it then. The word is much more, well, with the New Testament canonization and all that, but the word that he had access to, God revealed himself to him through the word. And then ultimately through creation, through the word, he revealed himself as redeemer. And so that's what I want to talk about today, these three things how God has revealed himself, not just to King David, but to us. And so let me read this. I'm just going to read the whole thing to start. It's not that long. It says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there any words. Their voice 
is not heard. Creation's voice isn't necessarily heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. It is rising. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So I'm going to stop right there first because I want to talk to you that God reveals himself as creator, according to verse 1 through 6. David focused on the heavens above him. He looked to creation, and that's what we got to do. We got to understand that God reveals himself in creation. But listen to this. Verses 2 and 3 are important. He starts with verse 1, that the heavens are tell, tell the glory of God. If we'll pay attention to creation, not just the heavens, but creation as a whole even, we will see that they they show us the glory of God, the full weight of God, give us an understanding of who he is. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Whether it's the daytime or the nighttime, God is showing himself consistently. He doesn't stop talking to us. But listen to verse 3. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. God declares his glory through creation. He doesn't stop declaring his glory through creation. But if you're going to see it, you got to start paying attention. And so I want to draw us close, closer to paying attention to what is around us. I think that's what David wants to do. If we look up at the sky, man, we would be amazed how big creation is. We, I, 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 because I Google, I'm a Google guy. I like to do some research and do some stuff. I was looking at stuff about creation and specifically how big creation is. Did you know it's the sun, just the sun, to go from one edge of the sun to the other, it would take 109 Earths to span that distance. Just the sun. Now, our sun is a, small, is, is a smaller star than a lot of other stars. It would take 2.3 million Earths to fill the capacity, the volume of the sun. Y'all get your head around that? No, you can't get your head around that. That number's too big. But just the sun, it would take 2.3 million Earths just to fill it, the space that it contains. God reveals himself in creation. If you'll think about that, if you'll truly meditate on that, and then you understand that this is true, let me, let me read this to you. Because these numbers don't make any sense to me that the observable universe, just what we can see, is 93 billion light years across. What's well, a light year? I don't need somebody while I'm talking to do the math. I'm joking because you can't do the math. And one light year, one light year, now we're talking about 93 billion light years, but one light year is 26 million miles or trillion miles. One light year, I don't think y'all got that. One light year is 26 trillion miles. The time it takes light to travel for one year covers 26 trillion miles. Now multiply 26 trillion by the 93 billion light years. 
And that's just how big the observable universe is. Now, I want you to understand that in all of that expanse, in the fact that none of that collides, the fact that the moon is as far away today as it was a thousand years ago, or we're as far away from the sun as we were a thousand years ago, that everything's perfectly aligned, everything is controlled by his power, not just created by it, he still sees us. What? He sees you. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. He has your name etched in the palm of his hand. He knows you intimately. He's concerned with what you're concerned with. He cares about you and sent his son Jesus to die for you. But let me tell you, in regard to 26 trillion light or miles times 93 billion light years, we're pretty small. Just get in an airplane, hover over Lebanon. You're not seeing any of us. But we serve a God that shows himself beautifully in creation by putting all of this together and still remembers us. This ought to wake us up. This ought to awake our soul that God still remembers us. This screams that there has to be a creator. There has to be. Science, and I agree on a lot of stuff. I think they don't use the right words. It says there was a, science will tell you, there was a time when there was nothing. Nothing existed. And then there was a big bang. And then everything existed. They can't explain what the big bang is because they won't open their Bible. But I'll tell you what the big bang is, is God speaking everything that wasn't into being. And he did it beautifully and then demonstrates it to us beautifully, just not only so that we might have creation to live in, but so that we can be enamored with how beautiful and creative he is. Man, isn't that good? Let me, let me, I'm going to go back to my notes because there's some stuff, some numbers I want to give you. This is how creative God is. 1.6 million on earth types of fungus. God's all, I'm just going to put 1.6 million different types of fungus on earth. There are 10,000 species of ants, 300,000 species of flowering plants, 5,000 species of mammals, and about 10,000 specific species of birds. God could have just said, we need birds, and he all make just a bunch of birds look the same. But he made red birds and blue birds and all kinds of birds. Why? So that we go, when we observe, when we pay attention to what he's telling us, according to verse 3, he doesn't say it out loud, so that we can say, wow, look at that. So we can have the oxygen sucked out of our lungs in amazement of how big he is, how beautiful and creative he is. Isn't that good? It's just, it's, it's, it's astounding to me. I can remember in 1990, I've told this story before, but it's, it's my go-to when I think about how big God is. 1990, 
I was in Iraq. It was the night that we invaded Iraq, or the night before we invaded Iraq. And I'm, and me and my buddy, we had our cots out, and we were just, we just were sleeping outside. And we looked up, and the sky was just, it was mind-blowing. Probably 100-plus miles away from anything that had a light. The stars and the sky look like layers of stars with layers of stars with layers of stars behind them with clouds of other stars stacked in those layers of clouds. And I can remember thinking, and I wasn't even a believer then. I thought, man, this is, this is beautiful. But you know what? Because I wasn't a believer then, I was walking on unrighteousness and was suppressing the truth that Jesus was trying to, God was trying to show me. That's what the Bible says, that when we don't recognize who he is by creation, we're suppressing the truth and walking on unrighteousness. You're all, I don't think that's what it says, but it is what it says. I can prove it to you in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal, everybody say eternal, power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood that what has been made so that they may be without excuse. Let me actually turn to Romans because it continues. Y'all bear with me for a second. My pages stick together. Some of y'all wouldn't, wouldn't hurt y'all to get some pages stuck together in your Bible because you've been thumbing it through it so much. They're, they're waxy. But anyway, so, for even though they knew God, this is verse 21, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Because we don't pay attention to the thing that should be obvious to us, we walk in futility, we walk in unrighteousness, and we walk in darkness. But we don't have to do that. You know what we got to do? We got to go outside and say, wow, look at that. That's amazing. And he'll put himself on display. Amen? People ask me, well, I don't believe in Jesus because not everybody's heard the name Jesus and they can't, they can't come to know a Jesus they've never heard of. Well, there's two problems with that. The lesser of them is that you ain't telling them. Uh, but the greater is that I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't think anybody ever comes into the earth that doesn't ultimately hear the name of Jesus, and here's why. Because if you'll acknowledge through creation that God exists, he will reveal to you, no matter where you are, what you have access to, what you need to do to ensure you're in relationship with him. And that's Jesus. You know why I believe that? Because right now in the Middle East where they're killing Christians, where pastors are being martyred, I can't tell you how many of those guys that we support here at this church came to Jesus because they acknowledged the truthfulness of God and they had appeared to them a Christophany. You know what that means? That means Jesus showed up to them. And like Paul said, I'm the one. I'm the one. It's me. But we got to, through creation, acknowledge God first. Amen? I don't know about y'all, but God revealing himself in creation. I go on and on about this. Probably should, man. I mean, if you just think about it and think about it and think about it, he's magnificent. 
there's an illustration that Warren Wiersbe wrote in When Skeptics Ask, which is an apologetics book. And he said, and several of you may have heard this, but he said, if you're walking down the path of a forested, like a forested path, and you see a glass hollow globe laying on the side of this struggle, and you picked it up, would you think, man, this, this just happened by circumstance? Or would you go, I wonder who made this here and left it? You would think, wonder who made this and left it, because it's not something you normally find. Amen? But somehow we can't translate that. There's only like three or four things in glass. So what if this glass thing that I'm holding in my hand was as big as this room? Would we still think it was created? Or would we think it's just something that happened by circumstance? It would be greater probability that it was created. What if it was the size of the state of Tennessee? Or what if it was the size of the earth? What would we think then? We would still think that something created it. And there are billions of functions happening right now inside of your body when this glass ball only takes three. And you can't make a leap from the glass ball to the fact that there's a creator God that exists. It's because you don't want to hear that truth. It's not because that truth doesn't exist. Amen? So, like, I, I could plead about this, but I don't want to. You know what I want to do? I want to take you on a field trip. You say, look at that leaf. Look at that fungi. Look at that bug over there. That bug crazy, man. God made that bug. You know why God made that bug? I don't either, but it's cool. Because he just wanted us to see how beautiful he is. And to declare out of our mouth, God did that. Next time you see something that you can't explain, just say, God did that. Amen? And that guy that did that did whatever's happening in you and could watch after whatever's happening in you. Amen? If I could trust him with the universe to make sure the earth don't smash into the moon, I could trust him with my small heart. Right? So anyway, let's move on. I got other stuff to talk about. So, so God reveals himself as creator. But he also reveals himself as the perfect teacher. He reveals himself in his word. 7 through 11 read like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. David, through observation of the word, gives four names or six names to the word in this text. But he doesn't only identify and define six things that the word is, 
but the benefits of each of those things. He says this first. He said, the law of the Lord is perfect because it restores the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. What is the law that David would have known? It was the Torah. Do you know what the Torah actually means, Torah? It means this. It means it's the same word used to shoot an arrow. Isn't that interesting? I didn't either until about four days ago. To shoot an arrow. Now, let's talk about that. If you pull a drawstring back on a bow and you shoot an arrow, you have something you're aiming at. God has something he's aiming at. He's the perfect archer and knows exactly what he's doing according to his word. And his intent with the word first and foremost is to restore that which has been taken. And he did that in his son Jesus. We needed restoration. You know how we get restoration? By observing the word. By being pliable in the hands of the archer. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but through Christ Jesus, we are what? Restored, redeemed, justified, brought back to a place where we were and forbidden from the place we were going. That's so good. That's so good. Come on, somebody. But that's just one. He, he continues, he said, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise, making wise the simple. So he says, listen, the, the testimony of the Lord, that is the Ten Commandments, they were the basis of God's law, the testimony of who God is, what he has done, what he has said, what he desires to do. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, and it makes us wise. You know, when I look at the Word, I find answers I didn't have. You guys ever needed something from God? You didn't know what to do about it? You didn't know specifically what position, direction to take? It's the glory of God's Word. It says, He'll make you wise. Through His, and you guys have heard me say this a thousand times, wisdom isn't smart. Wisdom is knowledge, experience, and perspective. So the Word of God gives us the knowledge of God, His perspective in regard to who we are, and His eternal experience in regard to where we should go. And that's found in the Word. How many of y'all can stand a little more wisdom? I can. I pray for more wisdom. I pray to be restored. Did you know restoration isn't a one-and-done thing? Let's probably go back to that. It's a it's an over-and-over lifestyle of restoration. We're restored in Christ Jesus. We ensure we stay in restoration by walking in the Spirit. And we continue in restoration by living a lifestyle of repentance. Amen? That's restoration. That's restoration today, tomorrow, yesterday, the next day, until the day that I'm looking Jesus or God in his face or bowed down at his feet. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out, but I'm ready for it. And I want you to be too. And you can be if you trust the word and find your wisdom in it. All right, I got to go.
The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The precepts of the Lord, practical matters, the guidelines of everyday life are right. And let me tell you, when we follow them, we find true joy. Because we realize who we are. All the stuff we talked about for the last three weeks, those things, the fact that God loves me, the fact that he uh, bought and paid for me, the fact that I can have absolute security in that causes me to be joyful. You think my joy comes from what happens around here? Or what's happening around me? Or what's going to happen tomorrow? My joy comes from the Lord through the word and through prayer and pursuit of him with everything that I have. And yours can too. Shake off the craziness that is your life and just rest in the peace of God. You'll find joy. People crack me up, man. They're all, man, I don't, my joy's wavering because this is happening or that's happening. I get where you're coming from, but did you know you don't have to carry that? Did you know Jesus said, my burden is light? If you'll hand it to him, he'll carry it. He has carried it. He will continue to carry it. Hmm. The commandments of the Lord, in verse 8, the commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. His commands, what we do, what we don't do, how we should do, how we shouldn't do, these things bring us revelation. Because we're in our obedience, God says he reveals himself to us. If I obeyed my parents, my papa, then I got greater access. God's saying, what? You want greater access than you have to the Lord? Be obedient. People are all, I can't get no revelation. Well, you got a revelation or you wouldn't be in relationship with Jesus in the first place. question is, what did you do with that revelation? And was that revelation worthy of the next revelation? Or was that obedience to that revelation worthy of the next revelation? People say, I don't think that's right. Let me tell you something. Judas ate. Judas got his feet washed. But before God, before Jesus told the others that he was leaving, that he was going to be crucified, he told Judas to leave. You know why? Because Judas hadn't accepted that revelation that he already had. He wasn't going to give him another revelation. I want you to, I want you to be neck deep in the Word so that God will give you revelation, so that God will give you wisdom so that God will allow you to rejoice, so that God will allow all these things to happen in your life. But those things are consequential to the Word and the way God reveals himself in it. Amen? The judgments of the Lord or the fear of the Lord causes us to be clean. That's a weird thing to call the Word, fear of the Lord. It's not all that weird because if you don't have reverence for God, you ain't getting this anyway. You want to be clean? Be scared of sinning. I, I would never do something my papa told me not to do with my papa standing there. So it'd be a quick way for me to spit my teeth out. And yet the God creator of the universe that we just talked about, who's omnipresent, we do all kinds of crazy stuff with him standing there. We don't have the reverence we need. 
We don't have the fear of the Lord we need. Read the word of God, you'll have the fear of the Lord you need so that you'll be as clean as you should be. The word of the guy, the word of God, I think I think it's the fear of the Lord. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. God's a perfect judge. I tell you though, when we hear judgment, how many of you guys when I say judgment, automatically something negative pops in your head? Did you know the judgments of the Lord are perfect? But they ain't always negative. That well done, good and faithful servant, that's a judgment of the Lord. And that's a beautiful judgment of the Lord that we should all be striving for. In Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John, I think, go before the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin said, and they could tell that they had been with Jesus. That's a judgment. But that's a good judgment. How many of you guys would be excited if after you left the room, somebody said, I think that dude knows Jesus. But that, should, that should be what we strive for. Amen? And we can have that if we pay attention to the Word of God. I want that for us. I want that for you. I want that for me. What's written in this Word and what's etched into my heart by the Spirit is what keeps me righteous. Christ made me righteous. But it's this word and the provocation of the Holy Spirit that keeps me that way. There are times when I struggle against my flesh. We all do. But let me tell you, the more you know of the word, the more you hide it in your heart, the Spirit will bring to your remembrance. Let me tell you, remembrance means you had to have it in your head in the first place to remember it. He didn't say the Holy Spirit bring it to you miraculously. It said it will bring you remembrance. What are you remembering? Better question is, what do you have in your heart to remember? I don't have the answer for that. Well, you'd have the answer for that if the Spirit could bring it back to your remembrance. Amen. And I'm just trying to encourage y'all. If God reveals himself through his creation, we should pay attention to that. If God reveals himself through his word, perhaps we should finish. We should pay attention to that. And ultimately, God reveals himself as redeemer. In 12 through 14, it says, Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I think the, I think the Holy Spirit may be very intentional in what he makes sure was in this book. That's me being sarcastic. He was very intentional about what he put in this book. Let me tell you a story, and it'll be a quick one because you've read it, hopefully. In Matthew, it says that the Magi looked up to the sky and saw the signs in the sky that the Redeemer was coming. Hmm. God revealed himself 
through his creation. And then it says they went to the word to find out where he would be born. <laughs> so he reviewed, he, he showed himself in his creation. He showed himself through his word. And then they went and they worshiped the Redeemer sent by God to save us. Well, that's perfect, isn't it? You want to know how to get from where you are to where you want to be? Allow God to reveal himself in creation. Confirm himself in his word. And trust that you'll, you'll know and see your redeemer. Let the word, he says this in the last, words of my mouth, which should be the word. And the meditation of my heart based not on the, just on the word, but what God has revealed himself to me, caused me to say, my God is my rock and he's my redeemer. Amen.